Hi guys, and welcome to this week's episode of Pivot or Tones with me, your podcast host, Tony Evans. This is the third time of me trying to record this episode as I did it, um, changed my mind, did it again, changed my mind. Now, this is the third time. Now, I have opened a can of Iron Brew given to me by my daughter for Father's Day. If you haven't had Iron Brew, it is a delicious Scottish soft drink that is apparently made from girders. It's warm here in the nation's capital today, so I'm not going to be having a cup of tea as I usually do. It might be later on this afternoon, but you never know. Anyway, as on last week, we did the top five Bruce Dickinson albums, uh, solo albums. This week is the top four Rob Halford solo albums. Now, he's only actually technically had four solo albums. Um, he's had He's been with other bands, but not under the name Halford. So, I didn't choose anything from Fight or Two. I'm sorry, Matt, my good friend Matt, was asking me if I was going to do stuff from Fight. I thought about it. I really, really did, and that's why I re-recorded it, because I was I did stuff with Fight, and I went, like, you know what? No, I didn't do it with Bruce. Um, I might have mentioned Skunk Works last week, but really, truly, um, for me, uh, Halford is just Halford. So, we're going to do just his solo albums. Now, a quick potted history of Rob Halford. Um, he's 72 years old, he's from Birmingham, up in the north of England, where um, all those Black Sabbath and all the great heavy metal bands are from. He formed, he joined the band uh, early 70s um, to make, uh, played sort of um, Led Zeppelin kind of sounding music, particularly Rock and Roll of the first album. But then they changed their, their tact and went and sort of moved towards the more heavy metal sound that we know now, creating the old leather and studs and whips and machismo that we're all used to. Um, and those that don't know Rob Halford at all, um, where have you been living, firstly, and why are you, if, if you haven't heard him, please stop this now, pause it, I mean, go away, listen to all his stuff and come back. And you've done that? Good. Right. Now you know what I'm talking about. He is truly the metal god. He's called the metal god. He is the metal god. He has the voice of metal. Him and Bruce Dickinson and, and Ozzy Osbourne are the voice of metal. They truly are. Um, falsetto, he's got every range, very high to very low, and he can hold it. He's got a scream that will go forever. He can pierce your eardrums with one note. He can draw you into the darkness with his bottom notes. He is truly one of the greatest vocalists of all time, if not ever of all any heavy metal genre, ever, ever, ever. Amen. I don't understand where he got voted on the 33 best vocalist in metal or something like that by some magazine a few, like 20 years ago. What planet were you living on? Obviously, these are um, youngsters and not people with any genuine knowledge. <laughs> Sorry, my joking, there's me. I'll get off my high horse. He's had a torrid time in his life. Um, addicted to substances and alcohol um, for quite a long time, until 1986, when his partner, one of his partners, passed away. He decided he can't keep doing this, um, and he went clean. Uh, and you know he was taking the substances because to hide his um, his dirty secrets 
you might you might say which is not a dirty secret he was homosexual um and that's nothing to do with any of us what proclivity his sexuality takes but unfortunately um he's in his mind he thought he, he would ruin the band because um heavy metal does have this some did have and sometimes still does have this uh sort of uh, machismo you know uh women in tight clothes men in tight jeans um heterosexual kind of um vibe which is all a load of bollocks um, you know it and we all know it um, unfortunately he probably in his own mind couldn't get around to it I'm sure his band I'm sure the band knew it even though they he say he didn't know that I'm sure they did and to be honest we must have all known look at what I mean he came out wearing leather and whips and looked like something from the Blue Oyster bar in is it Blue Oyster in uh, Police Academy anyway that aside poor bugger you know he he now comes out and well good on him nothing changes he doesn't suddenly start writing different music he just there was a sense of freedom i feel once he lets go of that because when the substances um were cleared from his system he sort of found religion a bit and he's always a devout christian anyway raised that way as a young boy um I think, and that's where I think he learnt to sing was in the churches of the north of England, post-war. And uh, there was a sense of when you listen to the latter albums, uh, all I mean they're all amazing, but they say there seems to be a sense of release from him. You can almost feel it palpably, particularly in the solo albums, particularly in his first couple of solo albums. Um, you know, he he left the band in uh, 1990 because he wanted to go and do a solo album um, and the band were okay with it they were like yeah yeah of course you can mate why not who cares you're gonna enjoy yourself get stuck in mate um but uh the label that they were with said no if you want to leave if you want to go a solo album you're gonna have to resign from the band and um well there he goes history is made he leaves the band um after painkiller which is you know absolutely ripper of an album and Ripper Owens comes in and joins on vocals. Sounds just like him, basically. Uh, and he goes off and makes several albums with a band called Fight. Uh, now, I'm not mentioning, as I said before, those today because they're with a band called Fight. They're not. It's not under Halford. Um, brilliant albums that they are. Uh, absolutely fantastic. They sound a lot like Pantera. There's a couple of really cracking songs. In fact. They're all bloody amazing, really. But then everything that he touches is gold. Um, and we'll find that out later on when you, with with some quite incredible choices that he's made if you don't know his album catalogue. I personally came across Halford and Priest when I was about eight years old. Um, my brother and I were in Carnaby Street. Uh, at that time, the hippest place to be in London, all the punks and the mods and the skins hanged out there and Rasta stuff. And it was just wonderful. You could it, the, and we went there because the Great Frog was there, which is a silver a jewelry store where Bruce Dickinson got his Eddie Buck, belt buckle made um, from the Power Slave tour. Uh, at, is it Power Slave? Could be peace of mind. Anyway, doesn't matter. He got it made there, and they made some silver jewelry for movie horror movies and rings and 
they they made very popular the doll's eye ring it's just like a glass doll's eye in a silver ring setting which my brother went to buy and he saved up for months to buy it because it cost a fortune those things and um anyway we came out from there and there used to be this shop next to it if anyone remembers and all it was like two stories and they just sold band shirts it was like it was like mecca it was heaven and my brother went in and bought um a priest uh, shirt which was the british steel um album cover with the razor blades in the fingers and uh with the extra extra blood i remember on it which was obviously pretty amazing and he bought um, one of those you remember those 3d t-shirts that came out in the mid 80s where it was like a a white t-shirt with a all ripped up and underneath was a, a latex alien from the aliens bursting out all painted up to look like it's coming at your chest why the hell we thought we'd wear those i mean i had one i had the um chainsaw one where my chest had been ripped open by a chainsaw i remember we took it home because so badly painted my brother and i took it home and hand painted it afterwards and added silicon um, to make it look like it was all shiny and more gory. It was, it was pretty fantastic, actually. Stupid, but fantastic. But that's where I first come across it. And I remember saying to my brother, Andrew, I said, um, hey, what's this band? And he'd had British Steel. And he said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it for you. And of course, I remember hearing on the radio, um, Breaking the Law, I sort of remember it coming from Andrew's bedroom, but I didn't put two and two together. Um, and it is an absolute cracker of a, obviously of an album. And the T-shirt, which will sadly no longer exist, I'm sure, uh, became a, a dish rag somewhere in someone's hands. I mean, my mother famously would um, cut up any shirts that she thought were offensive that I would wear. Um, all of a sudden, there would be a hole in it. I remember having uh, a T-shirt with the Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. Um, t-shirt no it wasn't that was the one I, one I lost sorry I had a um, Roger Melly the man from telly uh, Viz comic a character one of my favorites and he was giving a V sign underneath it said fuck off um, and I used to wear that at school I got detention from wearing the school in fact we used to smuggle copies of Viz around the school like they were pornography um, when I think back at it now oh my god there were a fortune the ones I had because I've got them right from right from the early doors of, of Viz. Um, if you don't know Viz comics, I don't go into them if you don't have a puerile sense of humour. Um, because there are characters like Buster Gonads and his infeasibly large testicles, fat slags. Um, there was a brilliant one, and it had a help like like a like a agony art kind of thing or questions asked and one of the guys one of the questions was i love it and i remember it, i'll never forget it he said um dear magazine we bought my son a jigsaw for christmas um when he went out of the room we found out he plugged it in and cut all his fingers off <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> there was a weird jolt in the recording there because i laughed hit the button muted it and spoke for another five minutes, realising that I had not been recording any sound. Remember one of those days. Anyway, um, for those who don't know what a jigsaw is, a jigsaw is a power tool that uh, used for cutting out shapes in wood, just in case you don't, you got confused. It's a play on words. Anyway, anyway, where was I going with all of this 
business icon. Oh yeah, t-shirts. So yes, anyway, that. So it was an amazing t-shirt. Anyway, sorry about that. I got completely and utterly sidetracked because of this technology stopped me in my tracks. So that's my origin story with Rob Halford and, and Judas Priest. I didn't come back to them until a little bit later in life, um, probably around, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Painkiller, maybe the, maybe, I think that's the one that, that really stuck in my head. Um, yeah. I don't, I, or Defenders of the Fate, no, definitely, no, I'd say probably Ram It Down and Painkiller, because that was when I was buying albums for myself, and I was really finding my feet in the medium a little bit more, so I'd say, yeah, Painkiller, of course, because of that amazing vocal on the, on the lead track, anyway, that's Halford, right, so, he's released, he went off and did stuff with Fight, as I said, different, uh, different kind of sound, streety kind of sound, uh, Pantera-y kind of sound, and then some strange stuff with the band too, which I won't, we'll talk about another time, um, but then he releases his very first solo album, um, in, actually with, under his name, in 2000, so quite some time after leaving the band, before he actually, you know, um, released one under his own name. But that's not going to be what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about in order. So four albums. In at four, Pop Pickers. In at four is Halford Three Winter Songs. Where do I begin with Howard Halford Three Winter Songs? Um, as I said earlier, he's quite. Um, a Christian man now, um, and good on him. Um, it keeps him solace, gives him solace, and gives him um, peace of mind. Um, and he likes and loves Christmas. And like me, I don't know if you, you would know that I love Christmas. I don't particularly care for the Christian story, but I just like the um, the bright gaudiness of it and the and the togetherness and the family thing right that's that's it for me it's just the, it's just the moment of being together with all your family at once if you're lucky that is um and so this album is mainly metal versions of uh, classic christmas songs there's um come all ye faithful oh holy night uh, there's uh we Three Kings, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. But then there's some other songs that he's written himself, like Get Into the Spirit, Christmas for Everyone, and Light of the World. And actually, those three songs on that album are, are really brilliant. They could be on any album of his, be a Christian Christmas-based album or or a, a non-Christmas-based album. And, you know, before you shake your finger and say, is he just jumping on the bandwagon, bandwagon in December and releasing an album? No, I don't believe so. Um, you know, I really don't. I think that he, none of this, none of the songs he's writing here or he's singing along with are mimicking or mockery of the Christian story. He's basically um, revering it. He, he's he's being a one with it. He's loving the. As I said in the last episode, if you listen to my Bruce Dickinson one, I particularly love Christian hymns, particularly British hymns, um, uh, Church of England 
hymns. I think they're beautiful, beautiful pieces of music and beautifully beautiful beautiful words and meanings. And um, I think that's the same here with with Rob. Uh, he's he, he he's not he's not mocking them. He really is basically just giving it a bit of a a bit of a jolt. He's just giving the old classics uh, a bit of a, a zap up the ass. Um, and um, you know, it's not kind of it's not the kind of album that you would be embarrassed to uh, play to your nan. You know, I personally think um, it's the kind of album where you go. Um, if your mum and dad or your significant other or whichever says to you, hey, we want to put a Christmas album on and you pull out Halford Three Winter Songs and they go, hang on, isn't that the geezer from Judas Priest? And you go, yes. You can't, but it's not going to be like bad news or, or um, you know, Motorhead that all the Christmas songs it, it, it really is a, a song you can actually put it on in the background while you're decorating your tree and in fact I have been known to do that um, so it's 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 just a fantastic album yes is it four because it's not the strongest of his solo albums three tracks on it are wonderful the rest are just nice versions of um, his his favourite time of year which is Christmas right good on him right so then we get to number three. Now, number three for me is Crucible. Crucible came out in 2002. It's a very dark album. It's a very different sounding album. So he's gone when he went when he went with, as I said, with Fight. He got a different sound, right? He got a, um, a more streety, um, gutter, gutter snipey kind of sound. And... He sort of come back here with Crucible. Um, titles of tracks like Crucible, One Rule, Betrayal, Handing Out the Bullets, Heart of Darkness, Crystal, Golgotha, Wrath of God, Weaving Sorrow, Sun, and Trail of Tears. It runs for 56 minutes and 33 seconds, and it's not an album you put on uh, to cheer yourself up with. Let's just be honest. It's not a... I mean, like I said before, Halford doesn't do things by halves. Um... The music is what it is. It, it is a different sound for him. It's a little bit more grungy. It's a little bit more industrial, a bit more down-tuned. It has some real highlights. Golgotha is a highlight for me. I just absolutely love the chorus in it. Um, the opening track, Crucible, is pretty fantastic. It has a little opening instrumental bit called Port um, Park... Oh, hang on, what have I written here? My handwriting, bloody hell, one second. Got my eyesight, Park Manor. Anyway, it's a very retrospective album. Um, it sort of sits... I think it's the... I think it's the... I don't know. I think for me, it's the... Um, it's his... Hmm... I think it's his winter album. You know, when I said when I say winter, that mean like as in his last album, Winter Songs. I think it's his, it's his time to reflect. You know, he's always writing songs about um, machinery and positivity and getting on and fighting good fight and being, um, you know, soldiers in arms and um, you know, love and lust and and all that sort of heart pounding wonderfulness 
Um, but this is his. This is his long. This is what I would call his dark tea time of the soul, as Douglas Adams once beautifully penned. Uh, and it, you know, it's not. It's not number one. It could be number one. I toyed with it because I really like. I really like artists that um, try to step outside of their comfort and to be different. Like Bruce, Bruce Dickinson. That's why I really loved. Um, uh, Tattoo Millionaire, well firstly because it was one of the first albums I ever bought of his, but secondly it's just something so different to everything else he's done and it felt like it was being true to what he wanted to do and I feel this sort of happens a bit in Crucible because um, Halford is not, he doesn't project a negative image, if you know what I mean. Everything he projects is positive. He comes out on stage and he's leather on his bike, he marches out He's, you know, he's he's all metal. He's he's, you know, cutting through. And I reckon if you cut him in half, he'd be steel. You know, he, he's he is the personification of a metal god. He really is. And metal to me is a positive medium, a positive genre. Yeah, there are some negatives in this genre, of course there are. In your black metal and your death metal and all that sort of your doom, whatever. But in general, when it first burst out the gates, it, it was a positive message, a positive media feel. Um, driving fast, aggressive, aggressive in a, in in not in its angry way, but aggressive is in its in its in its emotional way. And this album has, as I said, highlights like Golgotha, which I really love, and Crucible. Um, and it doesn't hang around long. I mean, it's quite a short album. It doesn't seem to. You think it. You think because of its industrial down tune tones that it would sound like it would linger but it doesn't it really just bubbles along and 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 smacks you really hard right out from the gates um i really i said try and get the original print don't listen to the the new reissue that came out in 2010 i think um because like all of his albums all albums i ever listened to if you haven't listened to the album before and you go straight to a new version of it or a re-edited version of it you're not getting what the audience what the artist gave you originally rightly or wrongly you know um it's like uh, Marillion released Clutching at Straws, which is one of my favourite albums of all time, as you guys know. And they added in on the down, on the original on the reissue a track called Going Under, which I absolutely loathe. Um, I was discussing to, with John about this the other day. My mate John, as I mentioned before, and he loves Marillion as well. And he doesn't know the band that well as much as I do, and he just thought. It was worked on the album but I bought the album in 1987 when it came out and it wasn't on there and I can't listen to it on there I'm just, it irks me and it's the same with these new reissues now they just put stuff on what's wrong with just reissuing it if you're going to reissue it new packaging maybe slightly cleaner maybe a different slightly different mix but don't add more songs on or add different things and if you know do that as a special edition you know extra long version but do release the original album as well people album please labels just release them as they go so we can get the album again cleaner on a new medium fine you know whether it's download whether it's cd whether it's vinyl whatever bloody medium you want to put it on just give us the original album that the band intended that's what i want to hear anyway that's my um that's my first two albums I'm going to have a break and we're going to come back and we listen we're going to talk about um tracks uh, albums sorry um 2 to 1 anyway talk to you soon guys bye for now 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome back, guys, to part two of Heavy Metal Tones. This episode of Rob Halford's four solo albums under his name. And we've done four to three, which is probably no surprise, although Crucible could have gone in at number one. It was a tough call for me. Um, in at two is Halford's Halford Four. Now, this one could have been one. I, I, like I said, I struggle. I do love lists. I'm, I'm a big fan of lists. I do them all the time in my head. Write them down everywhere I go. I do like listing things. It's a male thing, I think. Um, but this particular one, Halford 4, 
came out, I believe, in 2006. Let me just check that. Do you like my choral singing there? Um, 2010, I apologize. Um, and it is a cracker of an album. It is it's not dated, even though it's 13 years old. Um, I have I listened to it again for the first time uh, about a week ago. I hadn't listened to it for quite some time. Um, digged it out. I haven't got it on CD, so I digged it out on CD, put it on, and uh, bloody hell, blow me down! If this is not one of those albums where you go, why have I not been listening to this a lot more than I should have? Um, again, hunt down the original one, please. If there's long extended prints, try and find the original one. Um, yes, it might not be as a sound as clean as you might, you young millennials like to hear, but it's as how as it should be. It uh, it has a brilliant um, set list. We've got uh, undisputed, fire and ice, made of metal, speed of sound. Like there's no tomorrow, till the day I die. We are the we are we own the night. Heartless, Hellraiser, Thunder and Lightning, Twenty Five Years, um, Matador. I knew we, st I know we stand a chance. And the mower, the mover, the mower. Yes. Um, I'm going to pick out some songs here. I won't go for each one of them because I want to. It's going to be a longer episode if I do that. Uh, I'm just going to pick out. Firstly, the concept of the album is basically, I think, is man and machine. It's it's the speed, the engine, the leather, the tarmac, the wheel, the rubber, the, everything machismo, basically, um, is what I feel. I mean, the giveaway is the covers of the album's got a car on it. And he does mention NASCAR a few times. So, you know, because he does live in England and in America. Um, I find NASCAR quite frustrating. It's because it is one of the... I don't like not big motorsports person anyway, but the biggest, one of the biggest, most... one of the, the most watched sports in the world and the car just goes around in circles. Um, but anyway, I don't want to offend my American watcher listeners. <laughs> you know how many being silly guys. Um, Undisputed, which is obviously... The lyric sounds like he's talking about a boxer... Because it, you know, most times you hear the word undisputed, you put it with boxing, but it could also be with, um, with uh, sports. Drive most sports, I suppose. The it's a. I've written one word, brilliant. The lyric is so sing along. It's so Halfordy. Um, it's so metally. It's so stadium, but also not. I don't know how to describe it. I just think it's. There's a lot of. With Halford's later albums, a lot of um, this is more technical guitar thing, I suppose, but a lot more um, palm muted uh, sort of down picking. You know, it's it's very thrashy, but in a sedate way, but without being sedate, if that makes sense. And then you get Fire and Ice. It's just about it's it feels like it's about speed and sexuality. It really does. It feels like it's about um, now. Rob might not mean this, and this is how I felt it. This is what I get from it. I think it's a little bit post-coital. If you know what I mean, 
the cigarette after the moment you know if you that's your proclivity the uh, cold sweat uh, <laughs> on the back as you <laughs> as you try to um, realize that you know the moment is gone that all right um, that's what I feel fire and ice is about and then you get speed of sound all right speed of sound again it's about cars isn't it that's what it feels like it's about um, it could be about the bluebird and the fastest car on, on the planet you know um, it could be about that but I, I don't know really but then I've, I really, really love the mammoth, all the sound you get with Like There's No Tomorrow. It is big. It is a big, big album, a big, big sound, people. It, it fills your stereo and your speakers and your head. It, there's no room to think um, when this thing's on. It, it is, it's almost like it pushes your everything out, and all you've got is wall-to-wall -wall distortion, down-tuned thunderous palm muted guitar and a wailing wailing Halford it is just stupendous and then you know we got a few like you got Heartless which is a, a wonderful pardon me sing along piece of music really spatial really full of space for you to get your head around the lyric really enough time for you to get that singing out um and then Hellraiser, which is very much a trope of Alfred's, you know, um, it's, it's two words he's used quite a lot in the past. That's not to disparage it, it just is. But the one I want to talk about is 25 Years, which is sort of a ballady track. He does a few ballads, does Al, Al Rob, and not as much as um, latter stage um, Osborne, but there's uh, a few. And this one's really significant, I think. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, he quit um, uh, abuse, sub, uh, alcohol abuse, and um, substance abuse in 1986. And he has said quite openly that many times he struggled trying to, you know, the thought of having a JD or Jack Daniels or a cheeky line or something. He's, you know, he struggled with the thought of wanting to do it. He really wants to do it. Because as with all addictions, they don't go away. Right? They're always somewhere deep down in your subconscious, whether you thought you've beaten them or not. They, they're, they're there. And uh, the song "25 Years," I think, if you think about it. So this was, album was what I say was 2000 and 2010, didn't I say? 86, 96, 2006. So, I mean. Yes, it's close to it, isn't it? Like that'll be 2011 for that. It would be 25 years for, since he quit. And this song, I feel listening to the lyric, um, really um, emotes that feeling. And it, it's a beautiful song. You can feel the the sadness that the that he, what he did when he was under the influence. You can the people he lost, the people that he forgot and the, the, the moments in his life that don't exist anymore because they were blur, blurred by alcohol and by addiction of chemicals. Um, it's it's a, beautiful. They just underline that and say that. That's all you have to say about this particular track. It's just beautiful. Um, and I, I, I must admit, I got to it and I repeat, listened to it maybe three, maybe four times uh, while I was walking up the road from the cafe early this morning. And it just gave me goosebumps. 
because we've all had those moments. We're still having those moments where we, we've done something, we've regretted it. Um, not so publicly, unfortunately, as say maybe Rob has um, and Ozzy has and a lot of people have. But he survived it. It didn't kill him. He's 72 and he's still rocking, still loves looking after his little cats. He's still as crazy as a cut snake and he's still got um, rock and roll pumping through his veins and steel in his heart, right? Um, and he hasn't lost his voice. And that's the thing, isn't it? Even of even after the two latest solo out al- the latest priest albums, um, that will cry and um, God. Hang on, see, old man. Excuse me, when I reach this guy, no, um, battle cry and firepower. That's right. Sorry, um, he hasn't lost his voice. That's a side note. So let's get down to number one. Because that could be number one again. These are very tricky to do. Um, coming in these these top fives, because you might go, no, no, I think Crucible should be number one. The obvious one. The obvious one that I'm putting here at number one is quite obvious. Um, it is his first solo album. It is Resurrection, and it's my favourite solo album for one track and one track that really for me um stands out now you're going to say tony that's bloody obvious tone and i'm going to say yes it is bloody obvious um but it's the track that he wrote and sang with sorry bruce dickinson yes he did it's uh, an absolute stonker of a song the one you love to hate is the song by with those two singing and can you imagine the 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 you're sitting you're in a studio right and you've come into work and you're good you're ready to go and record and mix like this song and you you know you think oh okay oh, what am I looking down you look down on the paper and it says Rob Halford Bruce Dickinson you just I don't know I I'd be I would be ever so slightly clenched. Uh, yes, you wouldn't get a Christmas card between my cheeks. I'd be that, um, that clenched with fear that I was going to get this right, um, because this is a this is behemoth of a connection of two singers, right? And it works so, so well. I mean, you, I don't think I'd get any work done. They'd be singing, and I'd just be staring, and they'd be going, "Are you moving the knobs up and down?" And I'd be like, "What? The mechanical piano? No, I wouldn't be doing it." But I'd be, "Oh shit." mixing matching whatever they do in the studio um it took two years to record this album uh released in 2000 uh as i said quite some time after leaving the band this is the first real true solo album it uh it's got a very um, killing joke sound guitar uh, sounding guitars on this um, and those that know me know I love killing joke and it has a very Geordie-esque pa- pandemonium um, sound if you listen to pandemonium and then listen to the guitars on this now pandemonium came out afterwards so you could say that they were influenced by this no sorry pandemonium came out before 94 it came out um, so you might say that it was influenced but I doubt it to be honest with you 
it's uh, a lot of a lot of um Halford's lyrics on this album are very they're very like like Bruce Dickinson's first solo album it's almost like he's just letting go he's just being different he's coming back he's come back to his heavy metal roots so he's not street metal anymore not pantera not hard-edged american metal he's he's come back to that sort of leather and denim and leather you know nawabum um classic heavy metal sound that we all love and you know it does have a little bit of its uh a little bit of innuendo in there because sometimes Halford can be a little bit Kenneth Williams um, for those who don't know Kenneth Williams out there and are now frantically googling him he was a he was a British comedian of the 60s and 70s and 80s actually that um, was uh, played in the carry-on movies very very camp very innuendo um, you know very uh, a very seaside postcard which is what britain comedy is basically based around and i feel halford has that in him as well um i can imagine him um as a young man going to see carry on doctor or carry on nurse um, and just being enthralled with its silliness and i think sometimes on this album you get that um you know songs like locked and loaded made in hell um slow down twist is a weird one uh, I don't quite get my head around that one. Temptation, Dive and Saviour. Again, there is only one available option to listen to this on Spotify that I know about. Although other streaming platforms are available. Um, and it's all the extended stuff on it. And uh, it just didn't work. I want to hear Resurrection as it's meant to be. And obviously Resurrection is a good name because it's he's resurrecting himself from the ashes of priests. Uh, even though it was 10 years later um it's still an absolute um corker of an album it doesn't date it isn't dated it yeah I said it has its sort of innuendo british kind of sound it, it has a very stable um guitarish riff based music you know it's very priesty i it gets your pulse racing basically it does everything that you want from um from heavy metal right it, it moves along fast doesn't hang around it's not trying to preach to you it's it's full of innuendo as i said before it's full of machismo um imagery of war imagery of bravery heroism um you know uh love it has you know it has everything in it that that's what makes this medium wonderful and the why that halford is sort of at the peak and pinnacle of it you know up there on the hill with bruce and ozzy looking down at the rest of us and uh yeah it, it just it's just he didn't change course with his um solo albums the only time he's changed course is when he you know went and did some Christmassy stuff in in as i said winter nights right but apart from that he really does hold the flame and this album even though it took 10 years to record after he'd 
or release after he left um, Priest, it still for me feels like it came straight out of 1990. It's the same way that if you put if you were playing this with Tattoo Millionaire um, back to back, you'd go, "These must have been released at the same time." It has that feel. Um, it has a 90s kind of mix and a kind of finish, although it does have that awful, sometimes not awful, it's the wrong word, um, annoying 2000s uh, CD mix um, where it's the, the volume is too high uh, and they want to squeeze too much on because they can. I've, I've, I've talked about this before. I find it f infuriating that because the medium could do it, that means they did do it. Um, and metal at that time, particularly in the early 90s to mid 90s, was dying. It was on its knees. We were subjected to um, grunge for so long that I think we sort of, and then of course came new metal as we, you know. And, you know, Halford's done stuff with new metal material. It's, let's not take away from it. He likes everything that's fast heavy and hard um ooh, uh, uh, misses as i'd like to say but um yes that's it for me number one definitely resurrection because it's just the one i like because it has the most fun it has the bruce dickinson um duo on it with it, it, it that's worth the entrance fee and the album price alone in my opinion it did come out as a single but that for me is worth the album alone it really does it's i sort of put the album on and i holding back to wait for that single to come in which is you know a beautiful thing because you can't wait but at the same time it should be enjoying the whole out in the whole but i still can't wait for that one to come um so that's my top four honorable mention uh, honorable mention um if you really want to uh, 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 to have a listen to um if you really want to listen to an album he recorded with um, fight. I'm going to say War of Words for 1993. It is a pretty epic album. Um, it's got Scott, Scott Travis on drums that's with Priest now, an amazing drummer. It does, does that thrash groove, Pantera sound. Um, it's, you know, it's a little bit, you know, I love it, but I don't love it at the same time. But if you want a song off it that really um, grabs you, the one that grabs me the most to be fair, um, is Immortal Sin. It really grabbed me that song. It's an absolute cracker of a, a song. Nailed to the gun and into the pit. The first three, um, first two tracks off the album. Really good openers. And even Kill It and Vicious uh, towards the end are pretty good. They don't hang around too long. You know, they're four minute, three minute songs. That's what they, what Priest does well. You know, it, apart from something like Nostradamus, where they were long tracks. Um, it doesn't hang around too much anyway that's me for this particular week um, I hope you've enjoyed my chat um, sorry about the strange edit halfway through if you don't hear it I'm going to try and hide it out um, I cannot believe I did that though You know, or actually I can believe it because that's the sort of thing that I do well um, it's because I've got this cough button on it and I was trying to Sorry, I'm trying to get back into my computer. I was trying to cover my really bad outbursts of laughter and stupid, stupidy, stupidy. I pressed the wrong button. Anywho, um, next week, 
will be um, we're coming into October, so we'll start a few episodes that are based around the ghoulishness and Halloweenishness of um, of of October. There might be a hint there for you in the name. Um, I won't say any more because I am really looking forward to this one, as it's one of my a band that we don't talk about very much. Um, but has produced some absolute crackers, a lot of history behind them. Anyway, that's just a little bit of a teaser for next week. Bye for now. Keep safe, keep rocking, and this, just listen to as much Priest and Halford as you can get. And you know what? Even if it's October, bang on the Christmas album, sod it. It makes me smile. I'm sure it'll make you smile. Rock and roll, guys. Bye for now. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.